of the book of Psalms, and we're looking at Psalm 119, and we are to the 17th letter, or the 17th octave, each one of the uh, lines within this octave of verses uh, starts with the letter Pe, or P-E, as you see there, but I understand I was listening to a Hebrew guy today, or, or, or recently, to who said that's, it's pronounced peh, okay, so it's peh, not pee, but uh, there it is. So we see that uh, now there's a progression here, because earlier we see that the, lamp, the law was a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, that was outward, but now he's going to be really getting into the soul and into the inner qualities, into to the thought life and of uh, what the Lord does in our lives. So let's begin reading in verse 129 of the book of Psalms 119. Psalm 119, verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. I have opened my mouth and panted. I longed for your commandments. Look upon me and be merciful to me, as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of men, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. So what a beautiful passage here where we see there's two emotions. We see love and we see um, that he, and earlier in the, he ended the uh, former passage with things that he hates. And within eight verses, he's talking about crying for the very people that uh, cause him a lot of problems. And so we see there's a, 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 a wide range of emotions here. But the, the two words that I want us to look at tonight and we're going to concentrate on are name, of course, the name of the Lord, which what does that involve? And then the other is face. And there's, uh, those are two good studies that we won't have time to develop tonight, but I just can tell you, get on Google or get into a, um, a good word study and the name of the Lord, and what does it involve? And then uh, the idea of the face of the Lord. And it's all through the Old Testament. And I've done studies on that. Maybe we'll come back to that one day. But, of course, back in Numbers chapter 6, where Moses, uh, the Lord instructs Moses to talk to the priests and gave them this great um, benediction that's been used as a benediction, a blessing, uh, whatever, to, whenever the, the children of Israel would come together. And I've thought about memorizing it and start using it in our services just as a, a, as a, uh, as a benediction uh, to our services. But in, in Numbers 6, 24 through 27, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then, of course, uh, the Lord told Moses, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel 
and I will bless them. And so we see that term, the, those two things, the face of the Lord and the name of the Lord that are in the, this octave of verses. And like I said, those are great studies, but this man, uh, the psalmist, brings it down uh, to craving the, to honor the name of the Lord and to seek God's face. And of course, that's what Second Chronicles chapter 7, and a lot of people like to use this as far as uh, national revival. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. See, name, face, name, face. So um, I pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And so we see that this, in this octave of verses, this uh, psalmist is wanting to honor the Lord's name. And he's wanting, he's seeking God's face. And just like Second uh, Chronicles says. Now, like what uh, G. Campbell Morgan says in the previous octave, in, verse back, in a previous octave, back a uh, couple to uh, verse 105, the psalmist states, Your word is a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. Um, in our present octave, uh, the thought goes deeper. It is that of the illumination of the inner life, and uh, life and soul, rather than the external pathway. So he's, now he's talking about the pathway to the heart, not the pathway of the feet. And so this is now he's progressing as he's saying, Lord, not only do I want to walk, but if you, if you really, you're not going to be able to walk rightly unless you have it inward rightly. From, for, from within, out of the heart of men proceed these things. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And so we see that, uh, that he is really now progressing and getting deep inside his own soul. Um, the Lord... Uh, <clears throat> And to seek the Lord's face is to seek God's blessing. Uh, the one thing I remember so well with my children, my oldest, back in the days when you read newspapers. They, I don't even have read a newspaper in months, if not a year by, by now. I'm always on my, getting newspaper on the on text now. But, um, but I would bring it home and I would be reading the paper and my little boy, and I won't name him, but he would, he would, Daddy, right? Daddy, right? And if I would, yes, son, yes, son. But then he would come up underneath the paper and look me right in the face between me and the paper. Daddy, right? Daddy. He wanted to see my face. And that, every time I think about uh, this passage, you know, or anything about the face of the Lord, I think about my little boy coming up and wanting to see my smiling face. It really mattered to him about the way I looked at him and how that I gave him attention. And our Heavenly Father, uh, we, want, we should want to crave his attention. We want to see his smiling face in our lives, or sense that it's there. And so we look at this passage, and we see, first of all, that he makes these statements about the wonders of God's Word. And that word wondrous, or wonder um, of the Word, is, um, can be translated the miracle of your Word. So it's a word which means it's just awe-inspiring. But the miracle, the, the, word, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we know that it's powerful. It can change lives. 
And so this is what he's talking about, the wonders of your word, what it has done in my life. What has this done in your life? How that it has changed our very thought structure, our very nature, because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so we want to see God work in our lives as this man or as this psalmist is saying. And so, of course, the testimonies of your word, uh, that's in my own personal life as well as what I've seen you say about what has happened to people within your word and then what I've seen in other people's lives as a result of your working, the word testimonies is the idea of the action of God's word in other people's lives or in, in your life. He says then that your testimonies are miraculous. They're great. And that's one thing I, I've mentioned several times. Whenever one of the greatest blessings I have as a pastor is when someone comes up to me and starts talking to me, especially a younger Christian, and they just start talking about just what God's doing in their lives. And I'm just sitting there going, I didn't teach them that. Or where did they, you know, it's one of those things where God, they're reading the Bible for the first time and, or whatever, or they hear some part of the message that, oh, pastor, you said something, or some Sunday school teacher said something, and it just touched my heart. It just made me think all week. And I'll say, I don't even remember what I said, you know, or whatever. It's just one of those about where God just took the word and because he promised he wouldn't return void, he changes our lives through it. And so the miracles of your word as uh, it's not miraculous as far as, uh, you know, fire falling from heaven, but it's just as much as a miracle, those little subtle things where God changes the very chemistry of our, of our brain, of our soul. And so we see that uh, he says that, uh, uh, that uh, your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. Now, of course, like we said earlier, he said, whenever he says that uh, I'm keep your law, he's saying, I, that's my goal. I really want to keep them. Now, of course, none of us are perfect. But my soul, I want to keep your work. And so you're, they're wonderful, and therefore I want more of it. I want to keep your law because it's not because I have to, but it's because I want to. And that's the big difference. I want people to want to serve the Lord and not because the preacher's going to stay after them or whatever. Although every once in a while it is pretty good to needle somebody to get them. But, you know, there again, that's admonishing people to do right. But uh, you can't slay, you can't, force them to do it. And so even in admonishing people, you got to pray a lot about it because you don't want to offend them or to drive them off. And so we see the whole idea of the Lord change their lives. You, you do the work in their lives that I can't. And that's what preaching is all about, isn't it? That's what teaching the Word of God is all about. That's what discipleship's all about. Lord, I'll do everything I can to help this person, but in the end, you've got to do that miraculous work of transforming their lives. And so the testimonies that we can look back on. And so um, my soul, my innermost being, it wants to keep them. That's, you know, that's I, my soul. I want, to, I want to keep your word. And then that great passage, the entrance of your words give light. Notice your words, not just word. But uh, I, you know, it, it turns on the light inside. We'll turn on the light or what that, uh, what, before it has a better idea, whatever. So here's the idea then of illumination, 
of God. Like now, the Old Testament idea is the tent would be thrown open, the tent uh, flap would be thrown open, and the whole light would come in. Or that would be even true in the tabernacle, whenever the person would come, go in and out. So again, we see the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now, simple, in the book of Proverbs, the simple is different from the wise, which is committed to doing God's word, and the scorner, who is committed not to do God's word, and in the middle is a person who has not decided. Well, the simple can also be that uh, they're just simple-minded. They are uneducated, they're not, uh, or they are just... um, uh, they're not into the complexity or thinking complex thoughts as far as spiritual, spiritually yet. Uh, they're just babes in Christ and desiring the sincere milk of the word. But wherever you are in stage of life, whether it is spiritual or mental or emotional, God says that the word is good for anyone, even the simple benefits by it. And so we've got people that, of course, uh, uh, and in my ministry throughout, I've had people that can't read, but they become some of the best people in the church. They, they're they very simple in their expressions, but I would rather have a person like that than a person could talk to me about uh, the the supralapsarianism or the supralapsarian uh, theology and not know beans about how to live for the Lord. Now, uh, that has something to do with the order of salvation, you know, which comes first, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So don't worry about those terms. I just threw it out there because I was thinking about it earlier because it, well, never mind. But anyway, uh, some of these, big deal. So you know a couple of big terms and you could talk theology. What's it doing for you? And I'd a lot rather have a man who just uh, can hardly read. He works, his, he works hard and makes a good living for his family but uh, uh, doesn't know how to pray. More often than not, I have people, you know, men, that say, preacher, I've never prayed before. And, uh, well, listen, how do I pray in public? Uh, Just like you would in private. I just, you know, I don't want big flowery prayers. I want, and I just love to hear uh, simple men pray. When I say simple, uh, um, you know, keep it simple, stupid, you know, or whatever. Uh, we don't have to make it complex. Oh, thou that sittest on the realms of the universe. Well, for one thing, what's the realms of the universe? It's eternal, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So just um, just keeping it simple and loving the Lord. And um, so a first grader or, you know, a senior citizen should be able to get into the word and it's profitable for them. I like that. I mean, whosoever will. It's once for all. Everybody. And that's the way God wants it. The more, the merrier. And so um, the entrance of the word gives light. It gives understanding to anybody, to the simple or to the most profound, who will seek it. And notice the great appetite. So there's the illumination. I opened my mouth and I panted. Now, of course, you think of a dog. You know, they come after the idea there is... um, that you really desire it. So he's going to use a couple of uh, terms in this passage, what we call poetic hyperbole. 
And hyperbole is that you really overstate a situation to make a point. And so I don't think he goes around going, you know, I don't, but the idea is that I'm almost like a dog. I want it so badly. And so, um, so he said, I opened my mouth and I panted, and that's great appetite, for I longed for your commandments. That's great instruction. I really had an appetite for your instruction. And so I didn't want to just get on the internet and come up with all kinds of things. I wanted to get into the Word of God and find out things for myself and have you speak to me. And so we see, first of all, he's really just stating his appreciation for the Word. Now he comes up with four prayer requests, or actually four prayer requests, and a couple of them have corollaries, or they, you could actually make them into more than four. But uh, we see that he says, first of all, look upon me and be merciful to me. Look upon me and be merciful so we see, uh, now, an unrighteous man does not want God to look upon him. An unrighteous person who's running from God is going to be like Adam and Eve, hiding behind trees. But when you're right with God, you want him. You seek his presence. You want the sense that he's looking upon you. And so a right relationship desires God's gaze. An unrighteous attitude, you know, time and time again, the way of Cain, or you can just go through the Bible. The people that run from God are the ones who really don't want God to look at them. And so again, look upon me, and of course, be merciful to me. That's that loyal love that we've talked about, that great word. I need your grace. So Lord, look upon me, and we'll see how he progresses with this in a moment. But he's, and I like this, the way he says, uh, Lord, look upon me and be merciful uh, to me. Um, he says, um, as your custom is toward those who love your name. There's that word name. Uh, as your custom is? Yeah. Uh, Psalm 84.11, uh, no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. So I love your name, Lord, and we'll talk about that in just a moment because this is the passage about the name. But uh, I can expect certain things as you look upon me. I want your gaze. I want your blessings. I want you to recognize me because you're very important in my life. Just like my little boy was so wanting his dad to look on him. Now, whenever he got in trouble, he, you know, a couple of times, you know, he you know, had to go around looking for him. But uh, Dad, right? Dad, I still remember that. I still love it. But um, unfortunately, I probably should have put the paper down a whole lot quicker than I did uh, just to talk to him, you know. So, well, you can't go back. Everything you'd like to go back and be the perfect dad or whatever, you could always do it better. But, uh, and now he's got four kids of his own, so he's got to... He's got to put it with all his failings too. But um, there, you know, look upon me. Be merciful. I mean, love me. Care about me. Uh, as your custom is. Just like I cared for my son. Lord, it's your custom. I mean, you just have a natural instinct to love your children. So Lord, love me. Love on me, Lord. I need it. And so, isn't that great? I mean, just uh, notice the personal, the very personal way that he's talking about the Lord. It's not some God way out in the, the realms of the universe. No, it's a, a God who talks to him. 
he walks with me and talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Uh, you know, the Spirit himself bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God, that I'm the son of God. And so, so first of all, to those who, such as uh, honor your name. Now, how do we honor his name? Uh, first of all, then remember what I talked about, there's a, we did do a mini um, Bible study or word study on the word name. When you trust in the name of the Lord, then you're trusting as a person. It, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. But they that come unto God must believe that he is. I am that I am, he is that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do I really believe that? If I do, then I'm going to be uh, coming to the Lord, am I not? And so we see that uh, I, I realized he's, just, he's not just some spirit that I come to and we get together and no. He lives within my heart and I can talk with him and my soul can cry out to him. And the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, whoever it is, they're working in my life. And that's all that matters. And so I realize he is and that he is a rewarder because I diligently seek him. And so there is your custom, Lord. You're going to do it. And secondly, uh, you honor his character. And of course, First uh, Peter chapter 1 tells us that uh, we're to be sober-minded and so forth and to be holy as he is holy. Now, that's his character, is, is holy. So you don't go around trying to fool him. Don't go around trying to, to be anything less than he is. And so holiness abhors sin. And so... Don't go around, so we want to make sure that we excuse sin like God does. And so if I seek his face, then there, remember what we talked about with the, uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Then the closer I get to him, the more I realize, as, uh, he, as Isaiah did, that I'm unworthy. But so what I do? I fall on my face. Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips, so whatever it is, take that coal of the, uh, the altar and cleanse me. And, you know, there, there is such a cleansing feeling when that cleansing wave we sing and the Lord touches you and you realize, hey, my sins are forgiven and God is speaking to me now. But what a, what a sweet way my soul, uh, I, I, I crave it. That's what the psalmist is saying. So we honor him as a person. We honor his character. And then we honor his revelation. And there in James chapter one, it says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So if God reveals something to you and you don't do it, then that's where God's revelation ceases until you're willing to do it. Because what does he say? Be ye doers of the word and not hearers. What are you doing when you hear it and don't do what you know to do? You deceive yourself. And you know the last person to know that you're, de that you're deceived is you? Everybody else might be able to see it before you do. Because you don't even realize you're deceived. That's, that's one of those sad things, is that we walk around thinking we're deceiving others when all we've done is deceive ourselves. And so we honor his word. And whatever God says, uh, wherever you send, I will go. Whatever you say, I will do. Or whatever you 
Well, that verse, uh, trust and obey. Wherever he sends, I will go. Wherever, whatever he says, I will do. So again, I honor his revelation by just doing it. I'm his friend if I keep his commandments. And so I honor his revelation, and then I honor his glory. So I don't make decisions, and we shouldn't make decisions. Well, is this a right or wrong? That's the wrong question. The right question is, will this honor God? And whatever honors God will not be wrong because he's holy. And so when someone comes and says, Pastor, is it wrong to do? I say, well, and sometimes it'll be one of those gray areas. I say, well, that's the wrong question. The question is, will it glorify God? And usually when people ask me if this is right or wrong, they're already wanting to do it. You know, think about it. I want to, as we talked about Sunday night, expand home plate. I want to make it a little bit wider. And no, uh, no, we do what God tells us to do when we walk in the narrow way with the Lord Jesus. And so there again, I want to, I, as such as honor your name. So Lord, so the second thing we see is that he says, you know, Lord, uh, look upon me and be merciful. And I want to honor your name and then direct my steps uh, by your word. So there again, that is, now here is the outward. So notice how he starts off with the inward now, and he goes to the outward. So the external in verse 105, um, back in 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And now we see that he says, direct my steps by your word. Well, how do you know his word? You have to take it on inwardly before you can do it outwardly. So notice how he's turned the, that uh, paragraph or that um, octet back in, um, or octave back in, uh, starting with verse 105, he turns it around. And now it's inward that produces the outward. But direct my path by your word. And here, let no iniquity have dominion over me. That really hit me. What is iniquity? Iniquity, of course, we have said is outward, is uh, twisted thinking. And so, uh, Lord, uh, direct my steps. And uh, we see that uh, he says this back in, you know, in, uh, verse, in chapter 19, or in Psalm 19, verse 13, where he says, uh, Lord, don't let my, well, let's just go back to Psalm 119 or Psalm 19, 100 Psalms back. Can you believe it? We've been through this. We've already dealt with 100 Psalms over the years now. But um, Psalm 19. Oh, let's see. Excuse me. <laughs> okay. Let the words, let's go back to Verse, thir uh, verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. That's iniquity, presumptuous. I mean, they're taking a hold of me. Presumptuous sins, and let them not have dominion over me. That's iniquity. He says, then, uh, then I will be blameless, and I will, shall be innocent from the great transgression. Remember, transgression is outward. Iniquity is inward. So it starts with the thought life. Lord, don't let me get into a, a, a syndrome of bitterness or lust or um, anger 
Don't let those things control me. But Lord, and of course it's like that, uh, and I don't want to get into any, any of these because we can go too far or it could hit too personal, but it's like the potato chip. You can't eat just one, right? So what do you, should you do? If, you, if, you, if the doctor tells you don't eat potato chips, what should you do? Don't eat one. <laughs> don't even have it in your house. What's that? Don't buy them. Don't buy them, right. Exactly. Get it out. Well, that's what the Bible says. Run from it. Get out of it. You know, don't give place to it. Don't give place to the devil. And so, again, uh, you know, if you want to get rid of alcohol, which I, that, this one will be safe tonight because I don't think anybody's got that problem here. But, um, but uh, the best thing, to, you're not going to be able to keep it, a fifth of liquor uh, in the back of your ca- cabinet and get rid and, and defeat alcoholism. You got to get rid of it. You're not going to be able to hang around a lot of your old buddies as long as they're drinking. You know, just going to have to start dealing with those things. Uh, now, I guess I could get personal and talk about sugar because, again, I have sugar problems now. And as a result of that, uh, all it takes is that one bite and you're off into 500 calories in one fell swoop. And so you got to be careful with, uh, with uh, the things that will just a little bit and all of a sudden it consumes you. And that's true with lust. I've had, you know, you deal with people and say, Pastor, I can't believe I did that. Well, where did it start? It started in the mind. And so, again, don't let these iniquities, these twisted thinking, don't let it have power over me. And that's what uh, um, Romans chapter 6, verse 11 through 14, let not sin uh, dwell in your mortal bodies, that you obey it in the lust thereof. And so we don't want to let sin get, that's, when we let it inside, it becomes iniquity. When we do it, it's transgressions. And so don't let the iniquities take over my life because sooner or later, it's not like that Pavlov dog, as soon as I, I mean, trigger, and I, I'm committing it. Now, is iniquity sin? Yes. Uh, you say, well, it's been said that don't commit adultery, but I say if you, uh, if you what? Commit adultery, if you lust in your heart, then it's uh, adultery. And so the Lord really upped the ante there. And so our thoughts can be sin. And so we see that, uh, that the Lord, don't let them have dominion over me. And then redeem me, or as the King James says, deliver me, which I think is a better translation, but redeem is the idea of, Lord, preserve me, keep me back from it. Um, uh, keep me from the oppression of men. There's that word again. Remember a couple of, stru- couple of, um, of octaves before that we were introduced to that word oppression. Oppression, and so he's saying, don't you know? Don't let your um, um, the oppressive men. Don't let them hinder me, Lord. Don't let them rob me of my joy. Don't let them take my my communication with you away. Don't let me be consumed with worry about those people that want to destroy me. And so again, Lord, you know, uh, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee, not them. And so Lord, keep me, you know, preserve me, keep me, uh, keep me loving you. And don't let me get off to thinking about those men or those people and then start thinking about what I'd do to him if I could, and all the rest. 
and be consumed with the oppression of others. And so he says, uh, deliver me from the oppression of men that I may keep your commandments. There again, that's the main thing in my life is that I'm obedient to you. And then the fourth uh, prayer, he says, and there's the, this is the second uh, word that I say, make your face shine upon your servant. I want your approval. Now, okay, mamas, when you looked at your kid and they looked at you, they could tell what you were thinking by the curve of your lips, right? If they were up, they know everything's all right. If they were down, you're in trouble. Uh, this is the idea here. And of course, when the Lord looks away, that means that you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in big trouble. And so that's why if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves pray, pray and seek my face. But the problem is today, people are all humble and pray, but I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure I really want to see God's face. I mean, I, yeah, I like the way I'm living. I just want his blessings. No, uh, and you seek his face and you seek the smile of his face, then you know that there might be some things you have to change. Because if you're seeking his face and you're sensing that he has got his face, his lips downturned rather than upturned, you know that you're in trouble. And that's why people run from God. That's the reason I got people that won't come to church because I don't want to go to church because, you know, well, like one person the other day say, I, I'm probably going to hell. I used to go to church, but you know, I'm, whoa, you know, they have this opinion of God that God hates them. Why? I mean, let's seek God. Let's ask his forgiveness. Let's, let's hunger after him. And so, uh, uh, Lord, make your face shine. Now, it's one thing for your, for your, your, your um, parent to, to look at you, but it's another thing for them to really beam and you know they're happy. Now, that's a real good feeling, isn't it? Now, um, the, the, so we see this is the, the idea. Now, I like to, it's interesting in talking with people, especially as a teacher or as a, as a pastor sometimes, but mostly if you've got authority over a child. And I, I tell parents this, when you're, when you're talking to someone like a teacher who has power over your child or power or authority over your child, for any period of time, and you get with that teacher, and that uh, and that child is present. Don't be surprised if that child acts up, because that old sinful nature of his is saying, "Who's in charge?" And so, as a pastor, I make sure that, hey, listen, uh, you better obey your mom or whatever, you know, or your dad. Um, but. Uh, that is so interesting because we, we all want to know who's in charge. And uh, whoever's in charge, you, you, we want to see a smiling face. Now, that's kind of interesting because the old sinful nature of that child is just wanting to see whoever's going to look at him and knowing he's probably going to get a bad look. But uh, there again, they want some type of attention. Well, uh, uh, I want God's smile. Yes.
Okay, we'll, we'll be finished up in about uh, two minutes. Okay, you, you might be able to cut that out, uh, edit that out. Okay, um, so Lord, I want your face to shine upon me. So teach me your statutes. Teach me what pleases you, basically. Trying to please him in all that I do as we sing the song. And so, uh, and then as a result of that, notice how that everything is inward, but notice how that his mind now changes toward his oppressors and toward those times, time after time, for over 100 verses, time after time, we see he talks about those people who have been treating him bad. But now notice what he's saying when he's really seeking God's face. He says, and here's a, another hyperbole. Remember I talked about poetic hyperbole. Oh, well, here this last verse. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Now, what is he saying there? He's not saying that he's got the Nile River coming out of his nose or eyes or whatever else. What is he saying? He's saying that I really care. I mean, it is so sad that these people that are desecrating God's name don't have what I got. I pity those people. You think about the Lord Jesus. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, you whited walls, you empty sepulchers. sepulchers. He says, oh, then he went up and cried about it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, as a hen would gather her chicks, so I'd have gathered you, but you would not. And so it's the idea, and this is why, you know, as a pastor, oh, you hear this good hellfire and brimstone preaching. Well, uh, hellfire and brimstone preaching is fine as long as there's some good old rivers of water and crying before. And so, again, uh, I still remember that uh, illustration of Tom Farrell, a good friend of mine, said, he's an evangelist. He said back when he was, uh, his dad let him preach. Uh, he, boy, he, he grew up in the church, and so he knew about everything. And he went up, and boy, he preached on sin. And uh, his, his father later on said, son, that was a pretty good message. But to remember, uh, it's all right to skin the sheep, but don't leave them bleeding in the aisles. In other words, you're there as a bomb as well as a scap. You know, so you're there as a bomb of Gilead as well as a surgical instrument. The Word of God does both. And so, again, we see that rivers of water come down out of his eyes. Because, oh, man, these people. Why is it that they don't understand you, Lord? And um, I like what Ian Bounds said. Um, before we can talk to men about God, we must learn first to talk to God about men. And so, oh, that we learn to weep for those who don't know the Lord. And even though we might not have literal tears or rivers of tears, at least there's a real place in the, our heart for those people that don't have what we have. And so he says, you know, because the men do not keep your law, they don't know. They're blind and cannot see. And I like what uh, Warren Wiersbe says, a broken heart and a blessed heart can exist in the same person at the same time. And isn't that true? I mean, he gives a couple of illustrations. One was Luke 19, which we 
just mentioned, and then Jeremiah. Jeremiah could rarely uh, preach hellfire and brimstone, but then he, he was known as the what? The weeping prophet. And so we see that uh, uh, there's th that blessing as well as burden for people. And so what a blessing. This is just, you know, that inner quality. Lord, keep me right. Keep me wanting to see your face. Keep me wanting that smile upon me. And, you know, whenever you have those times, you just feel, you sense there's something inside. I mean, you're just cleansed all over. You just feel good all over. And, um, again, this old life, we can't, can't have it permanently because if we had it permanently, then we wouldn't know what it was because we'd be so used to it. But when it comes and those cleansing waves come over us, oh, what a blessing they are. And, Lord, I want to see that smile. I want to know that you and I are walking together.